celebrating our Jesus and the freedom that he has designed us to have in him. Amen. In him. Hallelujah. All right, beloved. Well, y'all know we just finished, uh, it is finished. And last week, the Lord told me to lay a little bit of foundation. So we're going to continue laying some foundation today. And I want to go over a few things first about what the Christian walk is. And then we're going to go into our message. And by the way, anyone who wants the CDs, they're free. Rich and Yvonne offer that as a ministry in this church. So if you didn't get the It Is Finished, you know, if you weren't here for that, go ahead and pick those CDs up. They're out in the lobby. Anyway, so I'm going to go into a few truths about the Christian life, about the Christian walk, and how to walk in his promises. It's not always easy, but it's always blessed. It's not always easy, but it is always blessed. The Christian walk is a walk of perseverance. It is a walk of patience. We have to persevere. We have to be patient. We have to intensely seek the wisdom and the will of God for every situation in our lives. We don't just respond the way the world does or the way it's been done in our family. We listen and inquire of God and intently seek him. He is always speaking to us and counseling us with his loving eye upon us. He has good, goodness for us. It is a walk of submission. It is a walk in which we deny self. We deny self. It is a walk of discipline. It is a walk of discipline. It is a walk that requires faith in Jesus Christ and a knowledge of the work that he has already done. The work that he has finished on your behalf. It is faith in who he says he is. It is faith in who he says he is. It is faith knowing that he will fulfill his promise from his word for you specifically in your life. It is faith in the fact that this word right here is Jesus himself. He's the living word alive in our hearts, alive in our spirits. This is Jesus talking to you, revealing his character to you. It is faith that his word will never be altered. It shall never be altered. And it will accomplish what he sends it forth to do. It is not faith in our own faith. It is not faith in our ability to have faith. It is faith in our faithful Jesus. Our faithful Jesus. Scripture tells us that our Father is faithful to the faithful. Psalm 18.25 So last week we laid the foundation. Um, actually, I'm not even going to go back into that. But today we're laying another foundation. And this whole sermon actually came out, started, it actually started from a conversation that I had with one of our sons. And I was so thankful that he came and he just started talking about it. And after we had that conversation, the Lord said to me, Lisa Marie, that's another piece in the foundation that needs to be laid before we can truly walk, before the people can truly walk in the new creation life that I've given them. They have to understand this. We have to understand this. So I'm going to go to James. One, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, I want that not lacking anything part. (laughs) That's an awesome promise. You see, it says here, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith, develop perseverance. We must persevere. We must step up a notch toward maturity in Christ. We must. God, you notice here, it doesn't say God brings the trial. That's wrong thinking. It doesn't say God brings the trial. God does not bring the trial. We have to persevere through the trial. But he does not bring it. He does not bring it. He helps us. He helps us persevere and grow into the maturity of Christ through the trial when we stand on the ever-living word of God. If any of you, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Without finding fault and it will be given to him. So this doesn't say, oh, well, you sinned, you made a mistake, so I am not going to help you, I am not going to give you any wisdom because you goofed up and you goofed up way too big. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says if you lack wisdom, ask. Period. And it says he's going to give. So stop disqualifying yourself. Stop He's already qualified you by what he did on the cross. So what do we need wisdom for? Obviously, we need wisdom for the trials of life, challenges of all kinds, wisdom to persevere under the trials and temptations that we go through. You know, in other words, how do I keep going here, Lord? Wave upon wave seems to be just like hitting me, and I feel like I'm drowning. And I'm, I'm disappointed by the things I've done or the things I've gone through. I'm disappointed by the dreams that haven't come true. I see it your way, but I don't see it happening. And it's just like, I feel like I'm being pummeled. And he's not going to look in, at you and say, well, yeah, it's because you did too many wrong things. No, he's not going to do that. He'd say, dear one, just ask me for some wisdom and I'm going to help you here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to calm the sea. I'm going to stop the storm. Okay? That's his heart. Through this whole thing, I, wanna, I want you to really try to understand God's heart toward you. Okay? Verse 6. But. Okay. When you see that word in the scripture, it's, there's some sort of conditional requirement or some exception. But. When he asks. He must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything, anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The Rotherham's emphasized version right there says, he is a two-souled man, living in two separate worlds. A two-souled man, unstable in all his ways. Not just maybe the issue you're dealing with, but it, it, it reflects across the board. Because we have to believe in the one whom has delivered us. Okay? So, when it when I want to kind of talk about here this word asks. 
This word ask, it seems like a pretty simple word, doesn't it? Okay, in the Greek, that is written as a present imperative. Do you know what imperative and imperative is? An imperative is a command. It is, think about the word imperative. It is imperative that you do this. It is imperative that I do this, that I have this. It's a requirement, okay? So this is written in the present imperative. So it here means to command or to demand. Okay? It means to command or demand. It does not mean this like little meager request, like, oh God, you're so wonderful, and I'm so little, and paltry, and puny. Like, could you please come and do this for me? That's someone who doesn't understand the finished work of Christ. You see, he's already done it all. He finished the work. He's given your word. It's a, do you know what the word promise means? Do you know what the word promise? Come on, come on, saints. Do you know what the word promise means? His word is referred to as his promise. It's his covenant. It's his covenant with us. So you don't come to God and go, oh, like if you could just show me a little bit of mercy and grace here. No, you say, I'm standing on the rock. I know what Jesus did. I will stand on the promise. I will command the promise. The way I look at this in my life is I will enforce, I will enforce what you have already given me, what you have already done for me. I am going to enforce it in my life because I am not going to let the devil come and tell me that this is not mine. This is mine. This is mine. I don't care if I have to stand 30 years. God never changes. His word does not fail. He does not change with shifting of shadows like people do. Don't judge him by some of the friends that you have and how they behave and how one minute they're your best buddy and the next minute there's a knife in your back. He's faithful and true. He's not a person that he should lie. Okay? So when I think of it, no matter what happens in my life, if I am not seeing the dream, if I am not seeing the reality of what the Word has given me, I'm just going to continue to stand. I'm going to continue to tell the devil that the Word belongs to me. I'm going to continue to confess the Word. I'm going to continue to find the promise. I'm going to speak the promise, and I don't care who comes and tells me I'm foolish or that my head's in the sand or whatever. Let's just see who has the last word. Because it's not going to be doubt. It's going to be my father. He will have the final say in my life. Okay? He tells us that he is a covenant-keeping God. Psalm 89, 34. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. He's not going to tell you one thing, and then you're standing on it, and then he comes up and he pulls the rug out from under you. No. No, he's going to help you stand on the rock. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, his will, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's good news, beloved, because he tells you good things about you and your life right here. And he's telling you those good things are his desire for you. And he's going to help you accomplish them, regardless of what's going on in the world. Let's go on. Well, actually, let's, 
to hear. It says, when, but when he asks, it says that you must believe not doubting, right? It says you must believe not doubting. What are we believing in? What are we believing in? We're not believing in our own ability to believe. We're believing in Jesus. We're believing in the word, because what is the word? The word is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. He is the finished work. That's what we're believing in. So how is it that we cannot doubt? Well, we don't doubt because we know in whom we're believing. Does that make sense? He's faithful and true. All that he went through. That's why we went through those eight or nine weeks of the finished work and what it meant and what he went through. All that he went through was to secure for you the new covenant, his promises. He sealed his love for you in his own blood. And when we understand that, we will be able to more boldly walk in what he suffered and died to give us. Because believe me, he suffered on your behalf. But in place of that, he wants you to walk in his joy. He wants you to walk in his joy. 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. See, we entrust ourselves to him. That's the key. Entrust your plans. Entrust your dreams. Entrust the things that you're going through to him. Entrust your trials to him. Don't get rid of the dream. Don't say, well, this is God's dream. This is what I believe he has for me. Don't get rid of the dream. Get rid of the devil who's telling you that that dream can't come true. Because the devil speaks against your dreams. Ultimately, first of all, he wants you to suffer. He wants you to live a disappointed life. But ultimately, it's so that your life won't glorify God. Ultimately, that's why. He doesn't want God being glorified. You see, when, when you have a dream and God gives you that dream and you don't alter that dream and, and, and you, you keep your eyes, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. He gives us more than we can ever ask. He's able, immeasurably more. The scripture says immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That's his heart for you. That's his ability towards you. That's what he's already accomplished. So dream on. Don't, don't diminish the dream. When you diminish your dream, you are exalting Satan. Did you all hear what I just said? If you don't get anything else here today, because the Lord just told me to say that in my spirit, when you diminish the dream, you are exalting Satan. We're not going to do that. So anyway, <clears throat> regarding this, not doubting, let him ask in faith. That's what the scripture says. Let him ask in faith. It's not wavering. I went to Adam Clark's commentary. and Well, I went to several, but this one just really spoke to my heart. It says, Believing that God is. That's a big statement. Believing that he is. That he is the embodiment of goodness and love and kindness and his word. He is all that his word says he is. That he has all good. That he is ever ready to impart to his creatures, that's us, whatever they need. Ever ready to impart to you. It's, it's right here. Just come on up and take it. Come dine at the table. Come on. Just come dine at the table. Read Psalm 23. He intends us to dine at his bountiful table. So his heart toward us, his character, everything that we need is in the finished work of Christ. He is ever ready to do us good. 
That's why later in this scripture, in verse 17 of this, of James here, it says that every good gift, every perfect gift is from him. He has perfect gifts for you. Perfect gifts, specifically designed for you. For your good pleasure. Nothing wavering. In other words, not judging otherwise. Not judging otherwise. Don't waver. Don't judge otherwise other than what the word says. Don't change it. Don't accept less than what the word says. Having no doubt concerning the truth of these grand and fundamental promises. Having no doubt concerning the truth of these grand and fundamental promises. Never supposing that God will permit us to ask in vain. He is not a fickle father. He's not going to make fun of you. He is not holding a carrot in front of your nose, and then the minute you get almost there, he's going to yank it away. No, 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 no. He, would not, he will not allow you to ask in vain. When we ask sincerely and fervently, you know, about, another thing about that vanity, asking in vain. He also doesn't say, you know what? You've made too many mistakes, so you can't have this one. Okay? Ask with sincerity and fervently. Continue asking. Don't give up. Continue believing. Don't reduce the dream, no matter what the trial is that you're going through, because Satan just wants to get you off course. He just wants you to turn the other way. Don't change the dream. Don't change the pursuit that God has given you. Don't change the goal. Let him not hesitate let him be irresolute. This is back to Adam. So be resolute. Don't waver. If I stand firm, I shall receive the promise. I shall receive the promise. I shall receive the promise. Say that. I shall receive the promise. It's mine. It's my inheritance through Jesus Christ. He's made me to sit in heavenly realms with him, receiving every spiritual blessing in Christ. No man can believe too much good of God. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres. So when we, when we see that persevere, we're going to think of the, of the terms command, demand, Ask and force. We're going to think about that. That's how we're going to persevere. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive. Stand your ground, beloved. Stand your ground. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And yes, a crown of life, yes, you are going to have eternal life when you believe in Jesus. But, excuse me, that's not all this is talking about. This is in the here and now. I, Psalms tells us, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You will receive the crown of life. The scripture tells us that the Lord crowns the head of the righteous with blessing. And righteous does not mean that you do everything right. Righteous means that you are in Christ. When he is tempted, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, 
nor does he tempt anyone. Your trial is not a temptation from God. Well, can he use your trial? Can he use what you're going through? Yes. Does he give it to you? No. God cannot go against his own character. He cannot. He cannot go against his own character. He is all goodness, so he can't tempt you with evil. He's all goodness. He's all light. He's the opposite of darkness. Darkness cannot exist when the light comes in. They're the antithesis of one another. If he were going to tempt you with evil, why did he defeat sin? Why did he send Jesus to die? Does that make sense? No sense in that. He has conquered sin and death and evil. So if he wanted to use it to tempt you and he's conquered it, then he's destroyed his very own method. Well, so that's not his method. Ever. You can rest assured in that. He's a redeemer. He's a resurrector. He defies death. He raised Lazarus from the tomb. He took the men out of the fire. He always provides a way out. 1 Corinthians, maybe 10, 13, somewhere around there. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. You see, the devil just wants to put all these worldly pleasures and you're going to go, oh, that's a good one. I think I'll try that for a little while. Fire! Get the extinguisher! Run the other way. Wakey, wakey. Those are the things that drag you away. But hallelujah, we have a God who ever is receiving us back, ever. Ever calling us back. Ever beckoning us by his love. He never loves you less when you do something wrong. He never loves you less. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. See, the devil is an enticer. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, that's how death comes into people. Nobody here at RCC. Nobody here. But that's how death would enter a person's life, through the thought process. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's why he says to renew our minds in the word. In the word. So we have to put this in perspective. Where the true evil, where the true lack, where the opposition comes from. It cannot be from God. It cannot be from God. It cannot. He's all good and he never changes. He is good. He stands by his word. He fulfills his word at all times. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. There is no shadow of turning in him. He's not fickle. He doesn't change his mind. 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift, and that's what he has for you, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose, this is a really powerful verse. I want you to really stop and think about this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That is a powerful, powerful scripture. He chose to give you birth. Where does your birth come from? Where does your new creation life come from? Where does the ascended life that you walk come from? It comes from the word of truth. It comes from Jesus, 
the word. He has given you renewed life, new birth, into power, victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in me, bringing life to my mortal body and bringing spiritual life as well. You have been born into power, not defeat. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He needs you to be his first fruits so that you can bring glory to him, so that you can testify, so that you can witness, so that you can bring souls into the kingdom, so that you can disciple, so that you can live an empowered life here. Empowered through Christ. I'm not talking about some self-help garbage. Best help you'll ever give yourself is to follow the word. So see, we're reborn into the word. Think about that. The likeness of Jesus. The embodiment of God. That's what you're born into. Wow. The living and true word. The manifestation of Jesus. That's what you're born into. Wow. Wow. Wow's right. <laughs> new life, new creation life. Verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, I added the M sisters part. <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble, but you know, that means. <laughs> My dear brothers and sisters, take note. All right. He's saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept, accept, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Wow, there's a whole lot being said here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. In other words, get the chip off your shoulder. Just go ahead and get rid of it right now. And make up your mind. Just make up your mind. Think this will bless your life so much. Just make up your mind. Regardless of how you feel on the inside, when someone comes to you with the word, not their own thoughts, not their own opinions about how you should be doing things, but if you are in a spot of trouble, if you are having difficulty, and someone is so beautiful, Beautiful are the feet of those who come with a good word, right? If someone comes to you who is so precious and so beautiful and cares about you so much that they will give you the unadulterated word of God, just get the chip off your shoulder and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you love me so much that you are going to discipline me and admonish me and correct me in the word. Accept it as a gift. Listen. Be slow to speak at that time. When inside you're like, I don't want to listen to this. Be teachable. Just be teachable. You know, teachableness is just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
if we don't listen to the word, we can't grow in God. If we don't listen to the word, how can it come to pass in our lives? If we don't listen to the word, how can we expect to get the promise? He has so much good for you. So much good. All good. The word says that he perfects that which concerns us. The word says that he makes our way perfect. That's his heart for you. To make your way perfect. No pain. Believe that you receive. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which will save you. Believe you receive the word planted in your spirit. Believe it. Believe it's yours. Believe it belongs to you. It's our choice. Whether or not we're going to accept the word of truth in our lives is totally our choice. And it makes all the difference in the world. It means to abide in him. To accept his word as true. And then do it. Like we talked about last week. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't think just because I'm not going to sit here and think, I would not be this foolish to think that just because I have heard the word, that that's what's going to bring a harvest in my life. Just because I've heard it doesn't mean I've allowed it to grow up in me. Right? Just because I've heard it doesn't mean that I have chosen to activate it in my life. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. KJV says, be a doer of the word. So, I go to Strong's Concordance and Thayer's Greek Lexicon and how they define that word doer, this will help you. This will be really powerful for you. Producer. A doer of the word is a producer of the word. See, it's your choice. It means performer. You're going to perform the word. You're going to enforce the word. A carrier out. A carrier out of the word. A maker. A maker. You will make or break the word in your own life. I will make or break the word in my own life. By whether I'm going to choose to ask, Command, demand, believing. Believing. Not altering the word. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man or woman who intensely, intensely, who looks intensely into the perfect law. That's the law of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ that gives freedom. The word brings freedom. Obedience to the word brings freedom, liberation. And continues to do this. So we're going to look intently into the word and we are going to continue no matter what the waves look like, no matter how big the storms get, no matter what the trial, no matter what the current condition of the weather is, no, no matter what the current political situation is, no matter what the current social situation is, we are going to look intently into the perfect law of liberty that gives us freedom and we're going to continue and continue and continue to do this. Not forgetting, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Blessing, blessing, blessing. You cannot run away from it. You cannot. You will not escape the blessing of God when you continue intently to look into his word. Do not be discouraged, beloved. Don't give up. Don't quit. You're on a sure foundation. How did we start this year? What was the scripture that we used to start this year? Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, in case you forgot. He is a sure foundation for our times. 
He is a rich store of salvation and wisdom and understanding. And that's all you need. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, don't talk against the word. Don't grumble. Don't complain against the word. He deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. So don't undo the word by an unbelieving word. Your, you know, unbelieving lips. Unbelieving mind that produced... You understand what I'm saying? 27. Religion that our God, that God our Father accepts. Okay, if he accepts it, I want to know about it. As pure and faultless. Okay, I want to I have something that's pure and faultless in God's eyes. Is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Do not allow your thoughts to be tarnished by unbelief. Do not allow your thoughts to be tarnished by thoughts that are less than what God tells you you can have. Don't allow your thoughts, do not be polluted by thinking beneath the promise of God. Think high. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your heart. Don't stop ever believing the truth, the veracity of this word. Don't compromise. Don't walk in fear. You have nothing to fear. Scripture tells us that those who fear God lack nothing. That's a pretty awesome promise, isn't it? Those who fear God lack nothing. You know, we just get off and try to do everything in our own power. Well, nobody here. But human nature will tempt us that way, right? The devil will tempt us that way. So we want to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. We must accept the word of God, the one truth. There is one truth, and it is the word of God. We must believe that we have received, that the work has been finished on our behalf, what this word has promised, that Christ, in whom we believe, backs every bit of his word. He backs his word. He is the surety of the better covenant. He is the surety, we studied that last week, of a better covenant. A covenant secured by his blood. The entrance into the new creation life is understanding that Jesus finished the work, it's been done, it's been given to you, and you are an inheritor. You are an inheritor of his word. It belongs to you, it is your inherited right. We have to believe that we receive, that we demand, that we command, we enforce the word. We believe and we stand, no matter what it looks like, hearing and doing. Hearing the word and doing. So let's go back up to James 1.6. But when he asks, enforces, commands, demands, he must believe and not doubt. King James, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We're not going to be unstable. We're not going to be unstable. The scripture tells us that we have not because we ask not. Right? So we need to ask, and we need to know what to ask for. John 16, 23. This is Jesus talking. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That's a big promise. But what is the name? What is the name of Jesus? What is it? No, think about what is the name of Jesus. 
the name of Jesus is his word. His name is his word. This is his character. This is his reputation. Do you have a reputation? Is your word good when you say something? Is it true and solid? Can people believe you? Your word is your name. The minute you say your name, somebody thinks something. Well, this is Jesus. This is his name. You know, we throw that around all the time. Oh, the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What are you saying when you say it? Don't let that flippantly roll off your tongue without really truly understanding what it means. This is backing the name. This is the name. This is the name Jesus. This is Jesus, the living and true word of God. Incarnated here. This is Jesus. When you use the name, you're declaring this. So when we say it, it's so. We can trust him. He shed his blood so you could trust him. You know anyone else who shed their blood for you? Would you shed your blood for anyone? If you did shed your blood for someone, would you want them to have what you shed the blood for? Verse 24, until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You see, he wants you to have joy. He wants us to walk joyfully in life. We will walk joyfully when we are walking in the promises of God. You, can't, you cannot get away from that. Ephesians 3.19 says that we're going to walk in the fullness of God in Christ. The fullness of God. Big, big thought there. The fullness of God in Christ. That's our walk. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, in Jesus, any believer, any brand new baby believer, mature believer, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, according to the word. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Your Father wants you to command the word, to enforce the word, that he will be glorified. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, the truth of the matter is, is he already has done it, and now you just need to believe it. So we ask according to the name of Jesus, because the name of Jesus is his word. We ask in the name of Jesus, because he is the one who has conquered all darkness, all evil, all opposition to his will, all opposition to his word, all opposition to the manifestation of his character in your life, of his gifts in your life, of his promises in your life. We ask and we receive in the name of Jesus because when we demand and command and enforce the word, enforce the word, it brings glory to our Father. So we have to believe. What are we believing in? We are believing in Jesus who already did it. James 4, 2 and 3. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, and you covet. But you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, 
and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There are a lot of keys in this right now. It says you kill, you covet, you quarrel, you fight. You see, you're not asking God. People who kill and covet and get jealous and try to grab and for me and it's mine and I need it now and if I don't do it this way, then I'm not going to get it. I got to fend for myself. I got to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Garbage, 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 garbage. You don't have because you don't ask God. You can look to men. You can look to your own devices. You can look to quarreling and fighting and arguing and saying, it's too late. I'm not going to get what I want. Somebody's going to get it before me, and there won't be enough left over for me. Whatever, whatever that thinking is. And you're digging your own grave. That will chase you further and further and further away. Because you are not trusting in a faithful God. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. You don't have because you don't ask him. So settle your sweet little heart on down. And say, God, if I can't have it your way, I don't want it. But you know what, God? I see it right here. I see it right here. And I know you are the perfect one and the perfect way for me to get it. You, because you loved me. Because you died for me. And I'm tired of the quarreling. I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the envy, the jealousy, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief. I believe you, God. You know the perfect way to bring joy in my heart. You designed me to walk in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's exciting news to me. You see, we need to recognize what he's already done and that it's for us. He's for us. He's not against us. He will supply for us immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You're imagining? I, I will just say this to you right now, across the board. What you're imagining is less than what he wants for you. It's less than he wants for you. So see, he's saying here, quit looking somewhere else. Quit looking to other things as your source. Look to God as your source. God is going to give you every good and perfect gift. Guaranteed. It is his heart to give you every good and perfect gift. It is his heart to perfect the things. It is his heart. He gives us all things for our good pleasure. Right? He wants you to have pleasure. But the perfect gift can only come from him not from through our own strivings, our own chasings. He can do his word. He will do his word. He will do his word. And then see the other part, it says we ask with the wrong motives. It's not that he doesn't want us to have pleasure. He does. But he wants us to have the pleasure that's specifically designed for us because nothing else will truly bring you pleasure. We can settle for less, and you know what? You will never be happy. Never. Never will you be happy when you settle for less than what God has for you. Dream big. Dream all the word tells you. It says we ask with wrong motives to spend on our own pleasures. So we already know he wants to give us good and perfect gifts. It's not that, we d that he's not going to do that, but our motives should always bring glory to him. Remember Abraham? In Genesis, when he said, it was like Genesis 14, and he said, 
I will take nothing, I'm paraphrasing, okay? I will take nothing from man. I will not be blessed by man. I will not be blessed by man because they will say they are the ones that have blessed me and given me what I have. I will not do it. I will receive my blessing from God. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to believe. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to ask. I'm going to demand. And I will receive the very promise of God from his own hand and from his own heart. Hallelujah. We have to look at him as our provider and not go chasing after things out of his will. He has good plans for us. He is a covenant-keeping God. Psalm 18:25. to the faithful you show yourself faithful. So now hang on, everybody. I really want you to hear this part. Nobody moving. Because I want you to really understand the heart of God toward you. I'm not going to go to all these scriptures. But when you understand the heart of God for you, you will believe the promises that he has. Okay? I'm going to read through this. I'm going to try to go through them pretty quickly. These are just the ones that came to me. God guards the... I'm, I'm paraphrasing because if I went to all these scriptures, it would take forever. God guards the hearts of the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones, Proverbs 2.8. He will bring us into our land of abundance, Psalm 66.12. He is for us and not against us, Romans 8.31. He blesses the home of the righteous and crowns the head of the righteous with blessing. Do you see his heart for you? Proverbs 3.33 and 10.6. What the righteous desire will be granted. Big, strong verse. Proverbs 10, 24. God perfects that which concerns us. Psalm 138, 8. Some of these are NIV. Some of them are King James. He makes our way perfect. Psalm 8, 32. He makes our way perfect. Not us choosing our own way. He makes our way perfect. He shows his unfailing kindness to his anointed. Psalm 18:50. That's every believer. That's not something you earn. It's a gift that is given the moment you believe on Jesus Christ. He shows his unfailing kindness to his anointed. He is a shield around us and bestows glory on us and lifts our head. Lift your head, beloved. Psalm 3.3. 3. He will instruct you in the way chosen for you and you will spend your days in prosperity. Psalm 25.12. You see, the wisdom of God secures that prosperity for you. But you walk in the wisdom of God. God will be our confidence and keep our feet from being snared. Proverbs 3.26. He will save his people and bless his inheritance. That's you. Psalm 28.9. I will instruct you in the way you should go and counsel you and watch over you with my loving eye upon you. Psalm 32, 8. Those who fear God lack nothing. Psalm 34, 9 and 10. Those who fear God lack nothing. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. Well, here's one I didn't write down. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Every dream he's given you, it says you will inherit the land. Psalm 37, 9 and 34. God will guide you to your desired haven. 
1730. He will do immeasurably more than all, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. So those are just a few. I mean, there's thousands of them. And when we see his heart for us, what does that do? When you see his heart, you will believe that what he died to give you, what he died to give you is yours. His heart for you is all goodness. All goodness. All peace, all joy, all love in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The gift that he has already presented to us because of his loving heart. Okay, so that's what I, we that's what came out of this conversation with my son. <laughs> Thank you, son. <laughs> I appreciate it because right as soon as that conversation was over, the Lord said, that's another key to the foundation of receiving new creation life. All right. We're going to go ahead and partake of communion. We have open communion for every believer in Jesus Christ. The blood spilled for you, the body given for you. By his stripes we are healed, by his blood we are cleansed, and we are thankful. When we take it, we take it, this in remembrance of what he has finished for us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the body, your body, which you allowed to be scourged, tormented, whipped, bloodied on our behalf that we could be healed. In Jesus' name, I receive this knowing what you have done for me. thank you for your blood which you poured out for me all the torment that you defeated in hell and then you went to the mercy seat in heaven and poured it out for me that I could stand in your mercy and your cleansing I receive it in Jesus name and I thank you for what you have done receive your tithes and offerings. And I'm actually going to go to that verse that the Lord gave me earlier. And it's in Genesis 14. I'm actually not going to read the part above that says, and then Abraham gave, Abram gave a tenth of everything go down to 23 22 but Abram said to the king of Sodom I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high creator of heaven and earth and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you not even a thread or the thong of a sandal so that you will never be able to say I made Abram rich I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Anner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. After this, the word of the Lord. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. The word of the Lord came to him and said, because he would not accept from men and he would only honor God with his tithe, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I am your shield, your very great reward. Do not be afraid to give back to God what already belongs to him anyway. 
He only asks for a tenth, which is nothing. He is our shield, and he is our great reward, and he will provide. In Jesus' mighty name. So I thank you, Lord, for every tithe. I thank you for every offering given into your kingdom. Lord, it is our heart to fulfill your will and only your will with everything tied into this ministry, everything offered into this ministry. And I ask you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you, for the tithes, rebuke the devourer on their behalf. And that for the offering, that men will pour into their bosom generously more than they could ask, think, or imagine in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you bless them. I thank you that they go forth in your safety and your protection and your divine love. In a knowledge of who they are in Christ and all that you've done. That they are a light shining in the darkness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.